Hi, I'm James Gardner, host of Your History, Your Story, a podcast for everybody who loves stories about interesting people and events told by those who uncovered them from within their own family trees. This, we hope, will inspire you to discover and celebrate your history and your story. Welcome to today's episode, Tipping the Scale Towards Self-Confidence. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Jennifer Rush Jacobs, who was a contestant along with her father on season 11 of NBC's The Biggest Loser. Jen is here to tell us about her journey towards self-confidence, not only as a result of her participation on The Biggest Loser, but from other experiences and people in her life, especially her mother, father, and the legacy of a famous ancestor of hers. Jen, welcome to our show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. We're very happy to have you. And I just wanted to start by asking you a little bit about where you're from. Where did you grow up? I grew up in New Jersey. I was born and raised. And I feel like that's also, (laughs) I've gotten the term Jersey strong based on people that know me. But I feel like growing up and living in the Garden State has really given me that nickname. But I'm very proud of my state. And I am so, I'm so grateful for being brought up here. I agree with you. I'm a Jersey born and bred as well. And New Jersey people often get knocked for different reasons. And I love this state. This is my home. So I appreciate you adding to that. Can you tell us a little bit about your family and your family history, where your parents are from and some of the stories about that? Absolutely. So my parents actually met in college. My father grew up in Maryland, Western Maryland specifically. He was encouraged by his art teacher to pursue a career in the creative industry. And that brought him to New York, very much against my grandparents' wishes. They were very worried about him when he left and at 18 years old, moved to New York City. It was about 1975 and started his education at Parsons, Parsons School of Design. That's where he met my mom. Uh, My mom grew up in uh, Staten Island, New York. She also lived partially in Morristown, New Jersey. So she ended up going to Parsons. They met there when they were both 18 and soon became married after that. So I want to say, I think it was three or four years after they met, they became a couple uh, or they became a married couple. So fast forward maybe four or five years and I was born. My parents decided to move out to the suburbs of New Jersey. I think my dad might have been missing what life was like outside of the city. So they ended up moving and decided to have me. So At a very early age, both my parents were very much, they were enmeshed, like I said, in the design world, but also both very much entrepreneurs. They ended up starting a business, which was a gift wrap company with partners of theirs. They became very successful in that business. That's primarily the start of how my parents and myself came to be. Six years later, uh, after I was born, my brother came along, my brother Matthew. The rest is history. We're going to talk a little bit about the way I gave the intro was that Mm -hmm. you have tipped the scale in favor of self-confidence. So what would you say are some of the initial challenges that you had in life where you may not have had as much self-confidence as you do now? How I look back on it is when I was coming out of college, my family, we have a very unique relationship. We're very close 
we get along in the greatest of ways and like we can go head to head in the greatest of ways. And I think when you are close to your family members and enmeshed in that, and specifically from my point of view with being close to my parents, there's definitely a level what I feel of enabling that could happen. And I think that was what played into very early on. I remember when I came out of college, I was concerned that I didn't know how to go out on my own. And like, I remember talking to my parents and saying like, how do people pay bills? Like, how do they have their own house or how do they, how are they personally responsible for like their lives and other people in their lives? That experience, it kind of sheltered me and kept me from pretty much going on my own and doing whatever necessary I needed to do to be more independent. Now, about how many years ago now was it that you and your dad decided to go on The Biggest Loser and what precipitated that? Well, we were really big fans of the show. When we started watching it, it wasn't quite at its peak of popularity. I do remember now friend of mine, but um, I do remember on season eight, uh, one of the contestants, her name is Amanda Arlauskas. I connected with her. She's from New Jersey. She was young. She had blonde hair. Like I, I just very much was like, oh, I'm just like Amanda. I watched her compete on this show. And I said to myself, I was like, you know what? I'm a tough chick. I feel like I could do this. And I'm from New Jersey. Like I'm just like her. Why not give it a shot? Essentially I had I applied with my dad and there was a part of me that was just like, why not? Like, why not do it? Not thinking about all the reasons why it couldn't happen, but focusing on all the reasons why it could. And my dad just being such a super supporter of me, we joke in my family that I'm very much like my father and my brother is very much like my mom. So whenever there's some sort of adventure happening, it's usually my dad and I that go and do that. And my mom and my brother will watch HGTV together or, you know, it's more like they'll spend the time together and my dad and I will venture out. So it was more than perfect that he would take this journey with me for health reasons and also for just like a fun adventure for us to do together. That was originally about 10 years ago, I would say come this next May that we found out that we were on the show and being cast, whether it was casting calls interviews with producers, interviews with the executives at NBC, legal background checks, medical screenings, you name it, we had it. The experience was very in-depth to say the least. And we were shocked that after about three seasons of trying to apply, we got on. It was nothing like we thought um, it would be like. And really, really, truly, it was a television show that, by the way, you lost a bunch of weight in the process. But I think through the entire process before, during, and after, for me, there was an overall theme of what I would like to call as perseverance. And it is something that I have really come to appreciate and acknowledge throughout the process. And I consistently remind myself of it now. Um, I never did give up. I never did quit. When stuff got hard, I just kept my head down and I kept doing the work that I needed to do. And through that journey, what I experienced and what I just spoke about before was, you know, being so close to my dad, I realized that there was a lot that I relied on other people for and didn't take responsibility for. And it was there that I realized on the show in a moment that the 
producers had to capture on camera. I had a conversation with my father saying that like, we are here together, but we have to be here separately. Mm -hmm. And I have to do this for me and you have to do this for you. They were moments like that, that, um, yeah, that those thoughts of persevering and never giving up, even when it gets really, really tough, really helped to carry me through, carry me through the entire experience during and today. What would you say was the most difficult moment maybe during that journey on the show? I would say the most difficult moment was really tapping into my authentic self, believe it or not. It wasn't all the challenges. It wasn't the workout. I guess chalk it up to the fact I just could take it. I didn't see our workouts as something that, or our challenges as something that was hard or I feared it just like throw it at me and I'll take it on. It was really having to set aside my ego because I came in there with a facade. I felt as though I needed to prove to people that I was tough and like, don't mess with me. And Mm -hmm. I realized that very quickly Mm -hmm. that when you're on a show with 21 other contestants, you are going to ruffle feathers if you're coming on and you're being fake or inauthentic or not being truly yourself or myself in that case. So I think that was one of the hardest lessons I had to learn. I learned it on the show. It kind of hit me when I was there. I mean, you say hindsight's 2020, but I really understand now the magnitude of what that probably did for me in that competition and in that race and like not acting like myself because I thought I had to be somebody that everybody thought I was. To this day, I would say I just lean more into being who I am as a person and really tapping into what matters in life and to truly be somebody that cares about others and lives to help others and appreciates the simple things in life and being happy and having a wonderful family. So it's just so different. What I really truly remember was the mental aspect of it and how I showed up as myself or how I didn't show up as myself. Big lesson learned. Thank you for that. So how did you and your dad do? How did you make out on the show? We definitely did well. My dad made it to the final four. I made it to week 13. Our season was the longest season in Biggest Loser history. There were 21 episodes. And weight aside, what for my dad and I, we really gained from this experience was that it it wasn't an experience or an opportunity that was going to be wasted. And we took away so much from it. And Aside from just the whole diet and exercise aspect of the show, I think the most important areas that really stuck for us was the mental aspect of the journey and how we went in there with a clean slate and learned all we could mentally, emotionally, all while we were getting physically beat up. That's interesting. Now, when you left the show and the show was over and then you had to resume your life. Yeah. And now you've got this newfound self-reliance, shall mm-hmm. we say. Mm -hmm. but you're still very close with your family. Yeah. So how were you able to move on and move into the direction of self-confidence without slipping back into maybe depending on others a little too much? I really am a big believer in life. Your experiences prepare you for what's ahead. And that, that experience of understanding how I needed to do it for myself, I needed to be my own person, take action myself, really prepared me in a way After I came off the show, I decided that I was going to shift careers. I worked with my family in a small branding and marketing firm, and I really wasn't happy. Not to say that I wasn't happy with my family, but it was just, 
I, I didn't work with the kind of clients that, or people that had the same interests as me. It was just a very stressful and a very critical industry. So once I came off the show, I said, I would like to work with people that are more my age. I was 28 at the time and I wanted to just be more active in my day to day instead of sitting at a desk. So I sought out the job, which was the first time in a very long time that I was getting an actual paycheck every two weeks. Every single thing on my pay stub went directly to any agencies that could have my name on public record. And what I've spoken about is like personal responsibility. Well, prior to the show, I wasn't as financially personally responsible as I could have been to the point where when I started my job six months in debt collectors were coming after me with trying to garnish my wages. And they did. They levied my bank accounts. They really used all these scare tactics to try to get me to essentially just fork over a bunch of cash that in my mind, I just didn't have. But what was really interesting and the, the odd dichotomy of it all was that at that moment when I started to work, I had gone back to living with my parents. I moved back in with them, started started in a part-time position with this company, just worked as hard as I possibly could. And my parents were very gracious. They didn't charge me rent. I went to work and I put all this money away. And then all of a sudden, my bank account started being levied. Fast forward to my brother actually making a connection between me and your daughter, Jen, and we were able to talk. She was working at a salon where I was getting a haircut and we were just chatting. I was explaining to her about my financial issues and she's like, you should talk to my parents, but I will have you know that they're very serious about helping people. I just want you to know that they're not interested in you wasting their time. And and I was like, okay, I really am dedicated to digging myself out of this hole. And I'm really, I'm really interested in getting support and help with this. And it was really a blessing in disguise because James, I remember when we first chatted, you had said to me, you're like, I don't understand how you have all of this, all of these debt collectors coming to you, but you have $11,000 in savings. And you don't know what to do with it. That's a very interesting position to be in. I really, at that point, had to lean into and trust, trust what you and Kelly knew and how you could help me really had helped me to turn my life around, become debt free and really live with the financial freedom that I had always wanted to and knew that I always could have. That's so wonderful to hear that. For the listeners, my wife, Kelly, and I, probably about, it's got to be about 11 years ago, took what's called Financial Peace University. It's through Dave Ramsey. We were just really blessed by it, and we are just very much all about paying that forward. And I got to say, Jen, you were the best student we could have ever asked for, Mm -hmm. and you were just wide open. And with each victory that you had, Financially, you started to gain more and more confidence in yourself and you are just, you're on autopilot. You've been from, oh gosh, not too far into the process. You were just, you were just killing it. And we're so proud of you. And we're just so happy that you've gained that confidence in your financial abilities and managing your own affairs. And also that you are gaining confidence in other areas of your life. Now, one of the things I did want to ask you about was, so you came through the show You have this newfound confidence. You still love your family (laughs) very much. How do you transition from 
maybe depending a little too much on others to actually maybe drawing support in your own self-confidence from people who maybe you depended on too much before. Does that make sense to you? How I can answer that is I look at the woman that my mom or my mother is, who she is as a person and the ambition and passion that she had to create a a brand and a business in her twenties alongside her husband. Um, My dad is like also very much a dreamer, but my mom is one of those people that can really, when she believes it, oh my God, it comes true. Like it is like, she's able to see a vision, create it and manifest it, but the belief has to be there. So that's where that, I think that self-confidence piece really comes from. And really watching my parents do it at a very early age has really helped me to say like, you have the power, you have the power and the capabilities to create any life that you truly want to live. And it really, truly is within your hands. I look at the people that my parents are with my, like I said, my, my mother being just very ambitious. My father being, um, he's a yes man. He knows the power of possibility. You take those two ideas and then you add in I guess you could say I'm very, I'm hardworking, very structured. I appreciate routine. When I find what works for me and I find a structure that works for me, laying that groundwork other underneath that ambition and possibility or vision for a future, it really has invigorated my sense of self-worth, self-confidence. And that's not to say that I don't also have my own shortcomings still. Life is all about a journey and growing and learning in the process. But I think what really allowed me to really overcome a massive setback that I thought, especially coming out of a reality TV show experience and going back into real life and almost taken like all the money taken away from me that I I had worked so hard for. I think it was that It was those feelings that allowed me to just actually dig my heels in and say, actually, no, I'm not going to do this again. And I'm going to go about this in the really smart way. I know that I can do it. And I know that I have people in my court that can help me to get there. The support and really looking into and leaning into where I came from in my upbringing mm-hmm. has really has really catapulted me in the direction that I am in now and that I am continuing to go. Wow, that's a great story. Something we mentioned in the beginning of this podcast was that there's somebody in your family tree <laughs> whose legacy has also inspired you. And as a matter of fact, you are partially, I should say, your middle name mm-hmm. is that ancestor. Who is that person? My sixth great-grandfather is Benjamin Rush, who signed the Declaration of Independence. I haven't looked far enough into my lineage to or research into it to know, James, you probably know more about him than I do. I know a few things about him. (laughs) Um, But what I do know is that he comes from the father's side of uh, my family. Yes, sixth great grandfather. And my dad actually wanted to name me Rush. And my mother's like, you're crazy. She's going to get made fun of. No. So it ended up being Jennifer Rush Jacobs, which has a nice ring to it, I think. Yeah, I've always liked that name. I'm proud of it. Let's put it that way. Well, how could you not be proud of a signer of the Declaration of Independence? Just a few facts on him for our listeners. One is that, as Jen said, he signed the Declaration of Independence. He was a doctor. 
And he was 30 years old when he signed the Declaration of Independence. That is an amazing thing when you think he's 30 years old. And basically, when the Declaration of Independence was signed, that was treason to the crown. That took a very brave person to do that. He was also a pioneer in health as far as the military was concerned. As a doctor, he was very concerned about the conditions that the soldiers lived under. And he was very vocal about it. He was an ardent patriot. He was a man of a Christian faith. And also, one of the things that he is, and Jen, you and I discussed this earlier, Mm -hmm. he was a big pioneer for mental health. Mm -hmm. Something that a lot of people don't know is that back in the 18th century, if you were struggling with different afflictions of mental illnesses, they just figured it was maybe just a spiritual issue or uh, you were just crazy. Mm. and that there was something lacking in you that was making you this way. As a matter of fact, he wrote a book, I think it's one of the first books ever written on really modern psychiatry. He basically made people aware that mental health issues were medical issues. Mm -hmm. And a lot of his writings were very instrumental in improving care for people who had mental health issues. And he is very well known for that. Another thing that he's very well known for, Jen, is that he was a close friend to both John Adams and Thomas Jefferson. After the election of 1800, Thomas Jefferson and uh, John Adams, who who were great friends during the Revolutionary War, they got into a real political disagreement. Now, we know today that still exists. It's very uh, a a big topic in the news. But you know what? It's nothing new. This used to happen. And the two friends parted. They were, they were mad at each other. They definitely had a lot of disagreements. Benjamin Rush valued both of their friendships so much. He kept going after and writing letters, and they both loved getting letters from Dr. Benjamin Rush because he was such a good friend and a brilliant man. Dr. Rush just wanted them to be friends again. He felt so much more would be gained by reuniting these old patriots. And he wore them both down, <laughs> and they both ended up corresponding Dr. Rush sadly died not long after he got them back as friends again, and they outlived him by, I think, about 13 years. There were many years of long correspondence between John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, letters that the academic community just loves. There's so many books and things about those letters, and historians today, students today, and just history buffs today just are blessed with these wonderful correspondences, and we owe it all to your six times great-grandfather, Dr. Benjamin Rush. Obviously, his legacy meant a lot to your dad to mm-hmm. name you after mm-hmm. him. Absolutely. So when you mentioned that to me, I got geeked out. Because like, <laughs> oh my goodness, Dr. Rush. You may have been surprised, like, why is James so crazy over Dr. I, Rush? I mean, it's been something that for my life, I've just, I've let people know. And I never received a reaction before until I told you, by anybody, until I told you. <laughs> so. Well, thank you for that. And, and one other thing, I think one of the inspirations for Dr. Rush for focusing in on mental health was that he had a son who went into deep depression after killing one of his best friends in a duel. Wow. Uh, back then, people used to settle honor issues with duels. And most times it was illegal, but it was still being practiced. And Dr. Rush's son became severely depressed. I think that was one of the inspirations for him studying mental health late in his career, actually. 
not long before he passed away. To, a lot is owed to Dr. Rush and his contributions to American history. So thank you for him. And I'm glad that his name and, and everything has inspired you mm. in self-confidence. Absolutely. Got his DNA in you. I sure do. I sure do. Hearing you speak about him, it's really interesting. It's interesting to hear. And I, I also hear a lot of myself in how he has impacted others. Thank you for that. Impacted us too. You're a wonderful person, wonderful friend, and we're, we're honored to know you and your family. We just talked about Dr. Rush's legacy. <laughs> How would you want your legacy to roll out? What would you want to be known for? I would love to be known for helping others to live the life that they want to live, not be held down by what others think or society thinks, to be able to have a a happy, free, loving life, I think is really important. That's what I stand for in my friendships and my family and those that I, I encounter. So I'd say that would probably be my legacy. That's a wonderful legacy, Jen. <laughs> Thanks, James. <laughs> and I really want to thank you for being on this show, for being so honest about your experiences. I really think that a lot of listeners are going to gain some confidence from your story, Jen. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been a wonderful, wonderful conversation and um, really offered me a different kind of a different kind of interview than the interviews that I've had in the past, especially when it comes to my experiences in life and or reality TV. Um, not to mention just learning a little bit more about my own history. I am forever grateful to you and Kelly for all that you have contributed to my life and quite honored that I could be a guest on your show. So thank you again for having me. Jen, thank you. And until next time, keep discovering and telling stories that inspire you and others. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Your History, Your Story. Please subscribe, share, and check out our website at yourhistoryyourstory.com for episode notes and bonus content. We'd love to hear from you if you have any questions, comments, or a story to tell. Be well and God bless.